Hello, everybody, and welcome to Spoiler Party. I'm Claire. I'm Micah. And this week we are talking about I'll Be Home for Christmas. That's good, because I every time I've begun talking about this in my head, I've said, all's well that ends well. Yeah, this problem is uh, when you have a, a book series full of bird pun titles, uh, you start reusing birds sometimes. Mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. this is the Christmas one, so this is I'll Be Home for Christmas by yes, Donna Andrews. Should be easy to remember. In the, uh, our... our Final installment for this year of the Meg Langslow Christmas books. You might be like, hey, wasn't there one that came out in 2020 that you guys were going to do? Um, yeah, we maybe uh, didn't get our books in from the library yet. And at this point, it's January 2nd. So that one's just going to go on the list for next year. Absolutely. We'll just read that in March and then we'll <laughs> read it again <laughs> next December when it is more easily available. Yeah. So it is what it is. Absolutely. So, so we're gonna we're gonna let Micah take over for for this week's. I keep saying this week as though this is a like a weekly it's podcast. You have the you have the weekly podcast listener brain rot where you assume that all podcasts are weekly podcasts. That's not true. I listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't aren't weekly. It's for some of them are biweekly, some of them are semi weekly. Okay, regularly scheduled, regularly scheduled podcasts as opposed to us, which will never be regularly scheduled. Maybe one day. Maybe one day could but, happen. Okay. Maybe when the Patreon fee gets ready and we have to oh, provide God. the listeners with the monthly uh, tributes uh, uh. for their offerings. Okay, I haven't really thought that metaphor all the way through. All right, whatever. Fun fact, go. All right, so you're familiar with the Big Bang, correct? The Big Bang? What is that? Oh, if somebody says the fucking TV show, no, you're banned from listening to this podcast, go away. Absolutely. I agree. think that's fair. The but, trash, um, trash TV show. Wouldn't know, never seen it. So, um... Uh, so you're familiar with the theory about how life was created, et cetera, or the earth and the universe, et cetera, whatever, yes. all this shit, right? Okay. So, uh, if you were to think of how you would name said theory, how do you think this name has come up with? This is a spoiler because I've already told you how the name has come up yeah, with. Yeah. I'm not really sure how to respond to this. Yeah, oh man, Micah, I don't know. Please tell me more. Yeah, that's basically as good as we can. Do. <laughs> I gotta stop spoiling you on some of these facts before, yeah. before I throw them out there. All right. Well, the way that the name was come up with was a person who did not agree with the theory at all. In fact, uh, vehemently, dis- vehemently disagreed with it and derided the theory. I actually came up with the name because as people, as scientists were talking about it, and it happened apparently live on BBC Radio. That's fact. great. Um, uh, people would talk about like. Uh, the idea about a spontaneous sort of explosion of life or what, et cetera. And he was like, oh, like a big bang. Well, he didn't say that he was British. And I think, I think he was British at least. Maybe he was an American. I don't remember. But it was on BBC Radio. So it wouldn't happen. So, but uh, apparently he just scoffed at the whole notion. And, and that's actually how Big Bang got its name. Honestly, once you told me that, it made a lot of sense because it does sound like the sort of name that somebody who was being like real sarcastic about it would give would give to the theory. You know, scientists like to name things like panspermia. So Big Bang, um, well, Big Bang leading to a panspermia would be something entirely different. But I mean, uh, isn't that basically what yes. panspermia is? Yes, I was. Is, I'm saying, but like when you get like, scientists or druthers, like the Big Bang leads to the panspermia. I'm saying when you get scientists or druthers, they yes. come up with, with shitty names like panspermia. Okay, but like, what about dark matter? It's a, it's a similar sort of name to Big Bang. And I don't know how Dark like, Matter was created, but I'm imagining also somebody. Also somebody that was like, was oh, like, what? Uh, There's a bunch of Dark Matter yeah. making up the universe. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to call it Dark Matter? Because it's dark and it's <laughs> matter. Because you can't see it. Yeah. I'm imagining something similar like that. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, you see, a lot of things have weird names. But then th- you're right. Sometimes scientists do just give up and they're just going, like, what is that one? That's a white flower. <laughs> I don't know. I quit. Yeah. So, Sometimes you get tired, man. I get it. You, you're giving these things these like wild, fantastical names, and you're like crocodile but blue. So yeah. 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 Good to know. Yeah. So I should tell you the person's name. His name is Fred Hoyle, and the reason this is important is because he has a son named Greg Hoyle, who Jeff Hoyle, Jeffrey Hoyle, and together. They wrote science fiction novels, which I'm assuming are terrible. I mean, given the time frame and the demographics, I feel like that's a pretty good assumption. Yeah. So, 
uh, be on the lookout for future reviews of such illustrious titles as um, Fifth Planet, Rocket, and Ursa Major. Ooh, the incandescent ones. That one actually has a Wikipedia page, so maybe it's like an important book and I just didn't care. I mean, it's possible. Well, like, for as much as I have spent my, like, entire adolescent to adult life reading a ton of science fiction, there's still a lot out there. Yeah, because they just kept letting these dudes publish books. Yeah, they really did. They're just like, you got a shitty idea. Go ahead, put it on, put it on paper. All I'm gonna say is at least these dudes put out books, <laughs> unlike some people. Yeah, we're not even gonna name any names about people who can't do this. So anyway, let's go on to someone who definitely can put out books. Hell yeah, which is Donna Andrews. Because absolutely, uh, I will be home for Christmas is number twenty six in the Meg Langsdorff series of books, which is not number thirty, as I've said. As every book is number thirty, mm-hmm. so about the past four or eight books. I think like once she hit like twenty book twenty two, every book was like, oh, she's written about thirty books. Yeah. So this is number thirty. Clearly, this is number thirty. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's where we're at. Um, this is a wild one. This is uh, take- she definitely has written thirty books because well, okay, I meant thirty other, million other books, books, but I didn't take into the the Turning Hopper books, um, which are also books that she's written uh there's other she's written other things as well but like i think mostly those two series mostly yeah yeah turning hopper only has like four or five in it i think not even that many i don't think no no it's more than three only three were on hoopla oh dang i gotta hunt down those other ones then yeah that's why i never got to the at the four or five they might be on there now actually because i know they added something recently i don't think i I didn't check recently they weren't there so all right nobody cares continue all right so this one is there is an owl convention, a convention of ornithologists. I'm surprised I got that one out. Yeah. Um, at the Carfillion. And this year, shock of shock among shocks, another blistering snowstorm. <laughs> Just uh, they're snowed in. It's a blizzard. The roads are closed. Nobody can come in and out. It's a locked box mystery. At least this time, like, she does the whole, like, hey, like, weird ass weather patterns, polar vortex Climate change mm-hmm. gets dropped a yeah uh, the, a few yeah, times. Dropped the climate change <laughs> reference here. Scientists here, are talking about the yeah before twenty twenty. We never got these snowstorms conveniently. I think twenty twenty is the first year. Of the she wrote across this book. <laughs> I think I need to I should check out. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up Duck the Halls, but like yeah yeah um but, but yeah. I mean we 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 have started getting more severe weather, but uh that's true. But we are we, I mean we're further south. It's true. I mean it's the whole Virginia thing. They like to pretend they're the south. Yeah. But but they're not really the South. Yeah. So. Nah. 2011, but close enough. Yeah. So twenty, so 2010, they didn't get the massive snowstorm. Yeah. In 2011, they got the massive snowstorm. Global so, warming, climate uh, change, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, they're snowed in. So, even though we don't have a murder yet on, like, the last two books, um, we do know that this is going to be a, a locked box. locked box mystery, which is always fun. It's always a good time. It's a good time. Um. And the convention, the hotel is full of ornithologists who are all a uh, bunch of PhD people who love birds, basically. Um, and grandfather is leading this conference because apparently uh, he has a kind of pool to just get together a bunch of ornithologists. It's called Alfest. Uh, Alfest 2019, which is important because they start talking about how Alfest 2020 is going to go. And this time on this reread. Which is the first reread because last year was just the read. Yeah. Um, but uh, on this reread, I was like, "Wait, Alfest twenty twenty didn't happen." No. Maybe there's a virtual Alfest. Yeah, but you know, all these virtual versions are like half-assed nobody. Nobody best. goes. Like people aren't paying attention to it or whatever. Yeah. Like it's I'm not just, saying there couldn't have been some cool aspects to it, but I'm just saying it was not. Well, you don't get the you don't get the same thing. You don't get owl pellets. No, you can't dissect owl pellets together. Right. No. I guess everybody could go get their I own. I mean, owl Pippin pellets. might do an owl at home situ an owl an owl pellet at home situation. Ah. You know, send out the little send every kid a an owl pellet in a right. in a little box and mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. dissect them together. Yeah. I mean, who didn't dissect an owl pellet in like middle school biology or whatever? Uh me. Huh. We dissected other things. I guess you guys didn't have a raptor center nearby. No, we did not have a raptor center nearby. We had like freshly hunted deer sometime. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> you know, yeah. It just depends on where you grew up. It does. You know? It does. Um, 
All right, so that's like the groundwork. All right, so this and Meg book, Meg has been drafted, of course, to organize things oh, as usual. Right, hold on, but this is important because even though the people who are listening to this who haven't read the every one of these books doesn't know, <laughs> grandfather's assistant stays not showing up uh, when when needed, uh, but he had planned a trip to to the Bahamas. Uh, like well in advance big, of this. Yeah, it's a big family reunion thing that he's been apparently planning for the last like fucking 10 years or something. Yeah. And so Grandfather knew about this and just didn't bother to like plan around it. Well, the problem was is that Grandfather didn't bother to run his plans past anybody. Right. And so he scheduled the original dates um, during Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once people started being like, hey, we can't do that. Um, yep. there, were, there were so few dates left. That this was mm-hmm. like the only one. So few dates and so few locations to, yeah. to post it in, and therefore that's how we got the Carfilly in. Almost on, at Christmas. Yeah, on like the 20th or whatever, 22nd yeah. or I think it like opens that. on like the 21st, and the yeah, yeah, yeah. conference has been going on already for it like goes, a It's supposed to be like 21 or... to 23, something like that. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, you know, snow. Mm-hmm. So nobody can leave. So the important thing is the airport is messed. The airport, you can't get to the airport, but even then a lot of flights have already been canceled. Um, there's a bad weather pattern. The snow is still falling. Nobody can leave the hotel. It's like intensely nobody can leave. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like very, very cold, very, very snow. Like literally it would be miles of walking to get to the city, which is also still has roads because the snow plows are snowed in. Yeah. The snow plows got stuck in snow drifts. There's like, so there's really, there's just no way for anyone to get out of Carfilly right now unless you got some skis. Even then you're probably freeze to death. That's or true. Like, that's true. It's, it's very cold. I'm sorry. Hypothermia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody freezes to death, Claire. S- some people do, but not frequently. You usually eat your friends first. <laughs> All right, so who dies? Who dies is Dr. Frogmore, who I keep wanting to call like Dr. Frogmorton. Fair. Because I feel like he's a character that would fit right in into like an H.P. Lovecraft world or whatever because he's racist. I'm assuming he's racist. Well, he is. Oh, no, he's no, no. definitively he's, in he's the racist, text racist. He's racist and terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I feel like... Oh, it's just like Frogmorton or whatever, because he has like frog people or whatever. I know this from second hand. I've never actually I feel read like it. There's a Frogmorton in some other book, but I cannot place it right now. Yeah. So maybe it's Throckmorton. No, I'm uh, gonna go with Frogmorton. There's a Throckmorton. There's definitely a Throckmorton. There's definitely Throckmortons around. Anyway, continue. Not imp- not important. <laughs> uh anyway, he Frogmore is terrible. He's an awful he's a he's a fake scientist. Or I he's mean, a real he's a scientist. Real scientist. <laughs> he's a real scientist, but he hasn't he doesn't have any real good con- credentials. Um he, uh, maybe on the take uh, with corporate interest of specifically logging companies, uh, instead of being on the side of environmentalness in terms of like. Basically, we're pretty sure he's um, being paid by the logging companies to take the environmental calls to such an extreme that they look like idiots. Mm-hmm. So as to legitimize the loggers and make it seem like they're the like reasonable ones. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So that's what he's been doing for for centuries, for decades <laughs> at this point or whatever. Um, and he is like uh, a big wig at his local like small Pacific Nor- yeah, pr- yeah, small prestigious uh, Pacific Northwest. It's like a Pacific Northwest Ivy School. So, yeah. You know, and we have these a fake school because. Unlike real schools, this school is sexist and racist <laughs> and has problems with admissions and with who's allowed in to the doctorate programs and how the dissertations are handled. And I mean, I can sympathize. Uh, Donna Andrews not wanting to take the heat. Oh, no, no, no. I totally get it. <laughs> um, I, I, you don't want to, like, just put Seattle University on blast right, or whatever. Right. But, like, you know. Also, Plus, they I, I, don't I, have an ornithology department. I don't think she really talks about it as being, like, the only school that has these issues. Oh, not at all. Not just at all. That not it's at all. Particularly bad. Right. No. It's just. It's just no. I just thought. I just, I just think about these things. Whatever, no. Where, yeah. Like, you're putting somebody on blast, and it's like, you don't want to. You don't want to use the real name of a real school because all mm-hmm. the issues and stuff and things. But like, also mostly to avoid like the potential. Like, there is a professor at Seattle University who's professor. I don't. I just. I don't. Whatever. Um who's known as being particularly racist and, ter- <laughs> and, like, and sexist and doesn't like allow women into this doctorate program. And that person would, that person would 100% catch wind of this book. Oh, yeah. And be like, how fucking dare someone write about me this way? <laughs> it's like, it, I literally didn't know you exist. But anyway, mm-hmm. like, so I get it. I'm just giggling about like how awful academia is. Yes. So, yes. so yeah. Um, 
So, uh, that's Dr. Frogmore. He dead. Um, and there's a bunch of suspects on this go around because everyone hates his guts. Because he's terrible. Because he's awful. Everyone hates his guts. So everybody has means. Oh, no, everybody, everybody has motive. Yeah. Everyone has motive. And most people pretty much have opportunity because they're all in this hotel together. Correct. And as far as, like, talking about all these characters, it gets a little confusing because they're all doctors. And, and they're so, all referred to as Dr. Blank. Yeah. And, yeah, And everybody. I don't know why that makes it, like, so much more challenging for me, but I'm already challenged in because the we act, because name we, remembering. Because we rarely use first names, like, in these instances. So um, instead of having... Larry and Michael and Jeff and Victor or whatever to roll off of. Mm-hmm. We have doctor, 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 <laughs> doctor, and doctor. And even though we learn some first names periodically, they all, it's Dr. Crane and Dr. Lundquist and Dr. Green. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, but like, I need a second identifier because they're all the same person to me. I wrote down a few first names, but like, we have Dr. Oliver Frogmore. Yes. Um, and our suspects, we have Dr. Crane, who I'm pretty sure her first name is Vera. Vera Crane, that's correct. Yeah. Dr. Neil Lindquist. Neil, yep. And Dr. Benjamin Green. Correct. Um, we also have Melissa, who does not yet have her doctorate, and whose last name I do not remember. Yeah, future Dr. Melissa. If we ever get a last I'm name for sure her. I'm not sure we get a last name. I'm not sure we get a last name for her. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of doctorates, even when... Maybe it'll be... It's not an ornithologist. You have other doctors walking around, too. And maybe it'll be... A, the Australian doctor's last name. Don't even remember the, the Australian doctor. Even though she said that he wasn't her type, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, Maybe she'll get into cricket. I don't know what the fuck a test match what is. What's a test match? It lasts for five days in, in this Australian situation. Hooray, Boxing Day. <laughs> the Boxing Day test match every year. I like cricket. I like to watch cricket. They wear a little sweater vest. They hit the ball. They run back and forth sometimes. The ball goes far sometimes. And every once in a while, I spend enough time on Wikipedia that I manage to convince myself that I know how cricket works now. I like in a game. If, a game, <laughs> if I put, if I put a sorry, a match. If I put a match on, I will. After like five minutes, I am convinced. I can tell you exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they just put up arbitrary numbers on the board, right? And then players do something different. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I don't know what happened there, but when they start rolling the ball again, right, I right. got you. I mean, I understand the basics of the very basics right. of cricket. So I feel proud of that. Oh, I'm with you. As I, someone who did not grow up with cricket. Oh, I think no. that is an accomplishment. I think cricket is one of the more confusing to outsiders situations. It's like, you got to grow up with cricket. I don't know. How, or you have to grow up with it and or have somebody sit in an alternate universe pocket and just kind of like walk you through a map. Like they can't explain it to you in abstract. You have to like be there at, a, at an event. And like and just step have, by step. And just be like, all right, so why do they do this? Because I feel the same way about American football. I, it's arcane. Yeah, there's an alternate universe where I'm sitting inside of the And we're still sitting inside uh, the, seafood the restaurant. Mayflower Seafood Restaurant. And I'm just explaining, explaining you every rule of football. Lord, never despite again. Despite not watching. <laughs> all right, so anyway... Um, Dr. Edward Turney, who's one of our suspects, he is um, Dr. Frymore's like loyal acolyte. Absolutely. Um, it's Toady. It's Toady, yes. Um, and he is also a jackass, but Obs- not obsequious. Yeah, uh, obsequious. Works. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely like you know the cartoon character who follows around behind like the bad guy, the villain, just like you know bowing and scraping at all turn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. defending his honor when it's totally not necessary because he has none. <laughs> um, Dr. Vera Crane, she's cool. Meg likes her. Mm-hmm. Um, so she doesn't want her to be the murderer. Right. But she has a strong motive. Well, a semi strong motive. Right. She really hates Dr. Uh, Frogmore because back when she was trying to get um, tenure, um, she was at the same university as him and he basically spread a bunch of rumors about her and mm-hmm. trashed her possibility of getting tenure. Right. Um, and she's really loyal to um, Meg's grandfather because he's the one that was like, this is bullshit and sexist and terrible and you're a great ornithologist, so I'm going to put you in touch with a bunch of people. And then she ends up getting a post at Cornell, mm-hmm. which is, a you real know, school. a real school. <laughs> exactly. So, like, she, ha- she has motive in the sense that she doesn't like the dude, but it's also been, like, a bunch of years and she 
now basically gets to rub it in his face that she's more successful than him. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Eh, motive. Yeah. Um, Same with doc. Same with future Doctor Melissa. Yes. She doesn't really have a motive because, well, he, well, her motive was that he rejected her application to go to his university mm-hmm. uh, to be in their ontology program. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, she ended up at Carfilly. Mm-hmm. So she's in grandfather's program, mm-hmm. which is a much better situation for her because he's actually good at his job. Right. As opposed to Frogmore, who is not. To be fair, I don't think she's actually in his program because I don't think he's actually oh, no, he's officially not, affiliated yeah. with the university. Correct, correct, correct. But he's like mentoring her. Yeah. Or whatever at right. the zoo. She sure. thinks she has the stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah. So. But like also begin... Her career is better off not being at his program, so killing him yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, then Dr. Lindquist has the motive where they disagree about bird things. And yeah. Uh, so this is about spotted owls and... Barred owls. Barred owls in the Pacific Northwest, and the barred owls are moving in on the spotted owls' territory or vice versa. Barred owls are moving in on spotted owls. Yes. And the barred owls have moved into the spotted owl territory. And the problem is that uh, the spotted owls are becoming lesser. And barred owls are just kind of better at life. Yeah, they're better at everything, basically, <laughs> which makes it harder for the spotted owls. Um, but the problem is that the barred owls territory is also being encroached on through environmental problems and overforestation and all the kind of stuff. Whatever, Deforestation. Right? Deforestation. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Apparently spotted owls only eat old growth uh, animals. Mm-hmm. things in old growth forests or whatever right so they have a bit of a problem yeah they're picky eaters yeah and therefore they can't um survive in the same way that barn owls are because they eat everything so basically the the the, the, the scientists are fighting about whether barn owls sh- should be all be shot right basically should we shoot <laughs> the barn owls uh because humanely capturing them and releasing them somewhere else is kind of a non-starter because of a the expense and b they're just going to come back because right. where else are they going to live? The problem still exists. Right. And so um, Lundquist wants to remove the owls? Wants to remove the owls. They're, they're theoretically on the same side, but he's frustrated because, as we said before, um, Dr. Farmore is doing the whole thing where he's going to, like, max extreme, right. like, nonsense levels. Yes. Um, and making the position of barred owl removal just seem totally, like, ridiculous and, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. villain cackling. Right, yeah. Sort of situation. Um, so because ultimately the goal is to save the spotted owls. Right. And that's what Frog Frogmore does like doesn't care about that at all. Frogmore, yeah, just wants to line his pockets. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, Doctor Benjamin Green is I don't know a hippie. Yeah, <laughs> he's a doctor of uh, Christology. I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming. I mean. He's an ornithologist, but he also loves the New Age stuff. So him and Rose Noir really hit ha, it off. Yeah, have we figured out how much he loves the New Age stuff? Or did he really just meet Rose Noir and really just turn out that quick? No, because I think he already had enough stuff in his luggage. And, right, and, right, 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 right. I remember, I remember like, uh, Meg not being sure of whether or not right, right. all that stuff was his or some of that was. I think some of it was gifts from Rose Noir, but uh, yeah. there was definitely enough that it was clear that this was also his thing. And the thing. important question is. Is Rose Noir into this, or is she oblivious to this man's like sort of flirtatious charm, or not? Whatever. I'm I'm kind of curious to see whether Doctor Benjamin Green returns. That that, but also just whether Donna Andrews ever pairs off Rose Noir, because Rose Noir has thus far seemed entirely oblivious and like uncaring about any of these various young men that are because here's my head over heels with her. Here's my one particular worry: is that if Doctor Benjamin Green shows up at the house. Seth Early might send his sheep after him. Yes, I think that's entirely plausible. I'm just saying it could happen. So we have to see what happens in the future. Agreed. Yeah. Might just be a one-off situation, though. Yeah. He lives all the way out in Seattle. Yeah. Far I away. think it's probably going to be a one-off. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Dr. Green doesn't want to, you know, kill anything. He t- he escorts a black widow outside into the snow. Well, But then he can't release it to the snow because he's like, oh, no, oh, no, she'll die. The spider will freeze. The black widow spider will freeze to death. Right. But then we do have a fun discussion about how um, black widow spiders aren't actually as poisonous as people as like popular culture makes them out to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. if you get bit, it's not good. It's very much not but good. It's as bad as, to get bit. As long if as you, you can get medical attention, like the likelihood of you dying is very, very low. Correct, correct. Um, which would have at least somewhat comforted 
young Claire because I was mm. terrified. See, I was I, the Black Widow was never as scary to me as the Brown Recluse. Well, both. But um, the reason being is that I have seen Black Widows, but they are for some I don't know they were harder for me to like they're smaller. <laughs> um, brown recluses, I don't know. They're both terrifying. Yeah. No, no, they're both oh, terrifying. I'm not saying whatever. I'm, just saying I'm perfectly like... capable of, of being worried about many different uh, types of <laughs> venomous spiders. It's just that, like, in rural Pennsylvania, for some reason, like, black widows didn't, weren't as worrisome as brown recluses. Oh, sure. I mean, and, like, it actually, when I was real young, I was more worried about black widow spiders because they're more common in pop culture. Mm-hmm, and then I, mm-hmm. at some point, learned that brown recluses were actually more common right. around where I lived. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, shit. I was been worrying about the whole wrong thing this whole time. Ah, uh, yes, yes, so, yes. You know. Yeah. The thing is, I also read all the Black Widow comics, and so I was I knew <laughs> she clearly wasn't that deadly because she don't be killing nobody. Right, right, right. Fair. So, so out of all these suspects, who do you think was the murderer? I know who the murderer was. Tell me who the murderer was. I forgot his name, Doctor Culver, but it's not a Culver. <laughs> Churney. Churney. <laughs> Turns out that he's even more of a shitty scientist than uh, Dr. Fragmore because he actually plagiarized his entire uh, dissertation. He plagiarized his whole dissertation based off... Um, uh, and, like, made up a bunch of, like, data. Made up, made up some data. He has he's been sending his stuff to get published to fake publishing uh, journals that will publish basically anything as long as you pay the money, mm-hmm. which exist and are real. You, yep. can find, you can find them on JSTOR. And they do that all that, that thing, like, uh, like they talk about in the book, where they, like make their logo look really close to that of like a mm-hmm. legit journal or whatever. Absolutely. And they start citing people who have never heard of or seen it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, Frogmore found this out and has been blackmailing him about it for like years and years and years. And that's why he is just That's why been, he's a toady. Yeah, been a toady. I know we say this often and whenever we go through any kind of murder mystery book, we're going to continue to say this. Um, if someone blackmails you, don't pay them. Don't do, don't just take the consequences of whatever the action is. Mm-hmm. Just take it because see, giving into blackmailers is always bad. Never works out. Never works out. So, yeah. The demands will always at some point get unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, just it's not going to work at all. So if you murdered them, then you just have like another like murder under your belt to worry about. Yeah, because you're not a perfect like, murderer. Yeah. And then like. You are going to confess an opportune time and then try to shoot the protagonist of the story because you think it's you, but it's not you. And I, I know I've read the, the short story. I can't remember who it was by, but like one of one of the mystery writers where like the dude kills his blackmailer and then somebody else starts blackmailing him oh, about the a... murder of the blackmailer. I think it might be Christy. I think, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what it is. Yeah. There's a particular one I'm thinking of, but I'm not going to get it. Is it a Marple one? Anyway. It's not Marple. Dang. It's one of those like weird standalone short stories. Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure. But anyway, so um, we do have a pretty interesting method of murder in this book. I did like the method of murder in this book. You're right. So basically at um, the big banquet for the convention, uh, our lovely Dr. Frogmore starts going on a racist rant about the uh keynote the speaker keynote speaker right who's japanese mm-hmm. um and he like stands up to yell some more and then he just collapses yep and if people are like oh no he had a heart attack it was not a heart attack it were not a heart it attack. it was a catastrophic loss of blood pressure mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they drop a lot of science terms a lot of medical terms in this book here well they always do but yeah this one had a was full of them there's a, apparently there's a medical term for what happens when you stand up too fast and the blood goes yeah, yeah, yeah. and feels dizzy. Mm-hmm. So and what happened to him was that, but on a massive scale. Yeah, because, because oh no, you go. Charney had already prepped him by um, feeding him um, uh, fucking Viagra, mm-hmm. which is uh, bad for the blood pressure. Plus, I mean, in terms of lowering it, plus Frogmore already has naturally low blood pressure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, plus. He makes it with alcohol, which is also bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Cherney also puts in some sort of um, nasal lingual spray thing that's a vasodilator. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. vasodilator opens up the blood vessels. So your blood pressure goes down. Yes. And so all of this in conjunction 
means that when he stands up suddenly, that's kind of like what tips him over and he just pops right out. Right. He's basically done immediately. Yeah. He like hangs on for a few minutes more and, and Meg's dad tries to revive him, but it is not happening. No, it is not happening. So that was interesting. That was, yeah, that was a good one. I mean, and in order to solve this, we had to call uh, Frogmore's real physician, who's someone named Dr. Lanville, because we needed more doctors. Right. Um, And Dr. Lanville and dad become fast friends. Uh, They become BFFs Mm -hmm. because that's just what happens. We also get casual, uh, casually dropped uh, my husband. Mm, mm, mm. So we have a, a queer character in passing. Right. This is our, our 19th uh, one-off side queer character right? <laughs> we've had so far. We should keep count if we do the whole series. Like, it's better than nothing, but I could do with, like, I don't know, a main character that's queer to some I'm degree. I'm hoping for Jamie and Josh in the future. <laughs> yeah. At least Jamie or Josh. Yeah, I'm yeah. Hoping. I'm holding out hope. Anyway. <laughs> someone, come on. Give me come someone. On, come on. Uh, I mean, hit, hit canonically, it's still Michael, so... Um, <laughs> no he's bi I mean he could be that's what I'm saying plenty of people could be bi I'm just I'm saying like don't Turn- go all like freaking JK Rowling on me like oh no he was bi the whole time he was bi the whole time I'm just, all we need to do is rewrite two lines out of the first book and we got it <laughs> that's true um, it would make actually I think it would make the first book funnier yeah you know what the, the part you know because they're doing the whole thing where uh, they think he's gay. And so Meg has no chance. Right. But turns out he's I, bi. I think, if he, I think if he had an ex-boyfriend, that would be even funnier. Agreed. So anyway, any well, um, I, I don't, I said that, but I didn't actually have a transitionary point. <laughs> is it, ooh, okay. There's an important thing we have to talk about. What's that? Two things. Uh, one is cruel work. Yes. And... Uh, the the mom hijinks of the making a secret Santa having a lux mom and Katarina making an elaborate dinner mm-hmm. uh, for Hanukkah and for Christmas and for nineteen other D- Diwali which happened back in like yeah October. they're like they're like and for Diwali and you know one Indian person is like uh that was in October so maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe not but like something else whatever yeah Japanese, they had Japanese there was, there was, food. yeah they had Japanese food I love um Donna Andrews apparent um idea that. All Japanese food has tentacles in it. Yes, absolutely. Just this is a. I'm imagining just a sea of a variety <laughs> of differently cooked baby octopus. <laughs> yeah, right. Just it's all it is. <laughs> like maybe some fried calamari here and there, but mostly just a baby octopus. Like really, she also understands that miso soup exists. Yes, yes. And that is the extent. Like um, I want to know. I'm imagining that wherever uh, she lives, there actually is only one restaurant, and it is an Italian. <laughs> Italian pizzeria, an Italian restaurant, uh, because I am not certain she loves. She does like Indian food. We yes, know that. yes. Um, or Meg likes Indian food. Got some good Indian food in there. So she's eating Indian food, but I'm not certain how much cu- Japanese cuisine she's eaten outside of maybe like the onion volcano. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, in Donnie's defense, like she seems fairly open minded, but I can understand how, like, if you're um, cause she's, you know, she's a bit older mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, sushi didn't really make its no, way to the U.S. A, until. I mean, there's a real thing that like. Especially that, anywhere, like, but like the East Coast. I mean, sorry, the West Coast. Right. And I'm trying to, uh, I, I can't hard scare quotes this enough or whatever, but like authentic Japanese food didn't pop off in America until very recently. Very recently, yeah. Like within the last 20 years, very recently. And it hasn't, and of course. And especially if you're in a, like. If you're in a smaller, more rural area. Yeah. Um, it hasn't like most of what we got were hibachi spots mm-hmm. where we got the onion volcanoes and then like the little sushi slash teriyaki, teriyaki places. Right. Like I remember when I was great, in, by the way, I was in middle school and the first Shouts like, to Ishii. <laughs> the first like sushi 101 opened up. Yeah. Yeah. And like they were doing like free sushi buffets to get people to come in because mm-hmm. like people were like sushi. I don't, I don't eat no raw fish. Yeah. And then. Actually, this raw fish is pretty good. And I mean, that's still the reaction we get from your family. Uh, oh, they 100%. love to constantly like make fun of us for eating uh, raw fish. So. Yeah, they absolutely do. <laughs> while, while being vegan somehow. Yeah, they both believe that we're vegan and that we eat raw fish. I don't know, yeah. whatever. I, mean, I do eat raw fish. I do eat raw fish. That's factually correct. Not vegan. Not vegan. Not vegan. Um, all right. That was very cute. How are we vegan if we always bring the mac and cheese? 
maybe would they think that we use something other than cheese? Cashew cheese. Oh, mm-hmm. nutritional yeast. Nutritional we yeast. We if they're gonna insist on keeping on with that with that funny funny joke, you know, we should they, make a vegan mac and cheese we and bring should, it next time. And we should eat. We should bring two. We should bring <laughs> a, like a very small macaroni and cheese dish just for the just two for of us. us. <laughs> and then they get the vegan dish. Yep, yep. They didn't make the joke this year, but I think they just forgot because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Everything is weird because of COVID. Yeah, I think mask on. You can't be vegan with a mask on? Question mark. Okay. But okay. They, they just forgot. Actually, gonna move right along with that. Um. All right. I feel like I've talked too much to actually do the joke. I was going to do the joke about the meal, but... What joke about the meal? Mrs. Ackley's joke where you don't ever stop talking about anything the entire time that once you get uh, your mouth going, yes. you just continually talk forever. And you let this thing happen, which is blows my mind, where every thought that enters your head comes out of your mouth immediately without ever stopping or pausing at any point in time. So she can talk about her family, her friends, her dinner plans, whatever, everything. Everything happened with her husband to move from wherever small town she moved in down to Florida and why that sucked about the birds in Florida and where they eat the fish and kill the fish. It makes her very uncomfortable. And she doesn't like the trees down there. She misses the trees back where she used to live. Gosh, I thought it was really good and shout out to Bernadette Dunn because her voice work on that is immaculate because she also takes no breaths <laughs> Bernadette Dunn does very good voice work um, good Australian accent this summer I, I, yes I really that's like we said I think an episode or two ago like I really want to bring the Australian family into the picture um, Meg's sister's husband and his, his extended family are Australian mm-hmm. um, because I like Bernadette Dunn's Australian accent Donna I mean, Listen to this episode. We demand Australians. Fans demand Australians. And her sister. We demand her sister back. Yeah, her sister was cool. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been around for much. And her forty-seven kids. Yeah, she has several kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so bring back Eric. Speaking of Mrs. Ackley, though, like we actually completely forgot about the Ackleys in terms of uh, suspects. Because they're actually a major plot point in this. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Mr. Ackley's, I guess, our red herring. I don't really know if that even It doesn't quite even count counts. as a red herring. Cause he, I mean, we he's never a s- bit suspicious because uh, Meg, like, encounters him in some, like, staff-only areas or whatever. Right. But he's not even that suspicious up until the point where he just, like, pulls a gun out and mm-hmm. holds grandfather hostage. Right. And it turns out that he, his lumber company went out of business and he, mm-hmm. he blames the damn... He blames the damn owl people. His damn owl people. And uh, what we learned from his wife in one of her non-ending talking situations... Is that a company was going out of business because his, his father and or grandfather had already run the company into the ground. And yeah. so, therefore, uh, the owl people had nothing to do with it. Yeah. He just was had misplaced rage or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, but it turns out that he's just... Um, he has some issues. He does, And indeed. may or may not have been planning to burn down the inn with all the ornithologists inside of it. Which is definitely a choice. Um, but he did not kill dr Cherney, even though we think that he did wait wow he did not kill dr frogmore yes even though we think he did for a while mm-hmm. because he confessed well, he, no he, he never confessed he never confesses okay, that's true he never confesses to that's killing true. dr frogmore he smirks and he says smirks. he was the worst one yeah he hated dr frogmore the most which is fair because if you meet that man once you ugh, you know <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah but we all think that i mean we know it's not over yet because that was way too easy. Like mm-hmm. Meg was never really in danger and Meg has to be in danger uh, <laughs> in order for <laughs> these plots to end. So she had to get uh, knocked off and frozen to death. Not freezing to death, we know, but you know. Yeah, she does at one point get shoved out of the door without her door key or phone or anything. And mm-hmm. It's very cold outside. Just to crawl through her children's tunnels. Yes, Josh and Jamie have been digging snow tunnels. I love the foreshadowing on that part. I knew they were going to be important. Oh, sure. Check off snow tunnels. But I, the thing I appreciate the most was that her kids really needed her to get out of the bleeping bathroom so they could put the snow into the bathtub because the sink can't hold enough snow. Can't hold a bu- bucket full of snow. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did find weird with the snow tunnels is, is her whole, like, uh, at one point earlier in the in the book, once again, check off s- snow tunnels, um, Michael's like, Strangely enough, it actually seems to be warmer in the tunnels. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. later, when Meg gets caught outside and she gets in the tunnel, she's like, it really did seem warmer in here. Could that be possible? I'm like, everyone knows this. Yes, yeah. Everyone yeah. knows this. We all know this thing. We know this thing. Make the and you're telling me that, like, all of Meg's, like, outdoorsy people and stuff that she lives with and the way her father loves spouting off, like, fun facts and stuff about... Hold on. I'll be fair to Meg. This is her first time experiencing it. Mm, okay. No, no, no. I mean, I understand, like, how it would be like, wow, it really is true. But mm-hmm. she's not, like, it really is true. She's all like, is this even possible? 
I mean, to be fair, she's had a shock. Fine. Whatever. I'm, I will defend Meg Langslow. Mm. Who, I would like to say, like 20 books into being married is still Meg Langslow, and I appreciate that. Yes. Every once in a while, she gets called Miss um, Watterson. Like, but usually by uh, Michael's students. Right. Right. Like people who know her through mm-hmm. Michael or yeah. whatever. And um, I, I appreciate that because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also kept my maiden name. And yeah. I mean, so I, I thought about it mostly because um, Adam, uh, Sheriff Burke. <laughs> my name. It's just my name. Chief Burke's uh, grandson, Adam, um, who is an orphan. <laughs> um, uh, Adam Burke runs in and calls her Miss Langslow. Yes. And I was like, yes. oh, yeah, of course. Of course he would. That's her name. Um. I got a note from a doctor the other day. They called me Mrs. Peitzman, and I was just like, what? Neat. Ew, I'm not a Mrs. Go away. Ew. Anyway. Um, so at the end of the at the end of the day, uh, Meg is with Grandfather, and he's explaining to her that he was trying to help out Dr. Turney to find a new job now that Frogmore's gone, mm-hmm. and realized that uh, Dr. Frogmore, ugh, Dr. Turney, there's too many doctors. All the doctors. <sighs> realized that he plagiarized his dissertation because um, Turney had given him a bunch of his like portfolio to read. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a strange move. Yeah. But uh, then Turney comes in with a gun. But they're rescued by... Well, they're rescued by... Oh, no. Josh? <sighs> Even Grandfather doesn't get it right, and they're his great-grandsons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... I'm going to say that we're fine here. One right. of the boys is in one of the snow tunnels yes. and opens Percy and Percy is Percival, the owl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who was injured by a bullet Yep, and is now here to be like a case study and the case study and rehabilitation. At the, uh, yeah. At the thing. Um, so one of the boys starts throwing mice to mm-hmm. get Percival to go like go ham. Yes. Uh, Percival does indeed go ham. <laughs> and enables Meg to, tackle turny and get the gun mm-hmm. so percival's great meg is not a fan of feeding him mice because apparently owls owls will eat frozen mice they will not take the frozen mice like the like the snakes will mm-hmm. you gotta give them live mice mm-hmm. yikes yep i do not blame meg yeah i'm with, i am with meg on this one I'm meg's better than me i also wouldn't feed him the crickets honestly mm-hmm. Be like grandfather that's your owl mm-hmm, you go mm-hmm, do it mm-hmm. yeah this is not my owl you can handle the situation uh-huh. i'm i'm good on feeding the feeding the live predator absolutely I, the problem is, I, I, I could make myself enough of a mental distance between opening like a cage and throwing a mouse in and running away before the mouse is eaten, nah. know, knowing the mouse is going to get eaten, but never not having to see. Anything. The problem is, I don't know if I could turn away fast enough. Right. First of all, it's hungry before because I think is I have seen, as uh-huh. you know, I have seen up close and personal. Yes. Uh, an owl you eating have, eating have, a rodent. You have owl owl related trauma. I do. Just, <laughs> Staring at me eating his eating its dinner on my front porch, and it's like I'm gonna go use the this back is, door. If this you is mind. your house. This is your house now. <laughs> yeah, it's just, indeed, Al. You win. This is, <laughs> you got it. You got it, Hoss. So, yeah. Um, shout out to that owl who probably is still eating somewhere. Lives in lives in the house now. Yep. Um. So in further like um Christmas good cheer though. Hmm. Um, and to further explicate the title of the book the uh we had the owlets perform right. at the banquet and the owlets are various members of spore stop poisoning our owls and owls raptors, and, raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are an activism group who frequently don realistic bird costumes and perform mm-hmm. song and dance numbers to bring Correct. greater awareness to bird related issues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and environmental concerns correct we're big um, fans of spore spore is great uh and this time of course with it being christmas they're singing various punny christmas songs yes, with birds yes. in it such as i'll be home for christmas indeed um and oh gosh i can't even remember any of the lyrics from the one that they actually sing a bit of in the book but oh it's right great, and i it's want good more. stuff it's good it's I'm like good. donna andrews please just keep cranking it out give them to me yeah give me more spore songs i want them give me the spore album <laughs> please give me the spore album um i felt like uh give like bernadette donna a thumbs up because she doesn't seem like she's the most comfortable singing but she really she really cranked it out for this one she did. She did give it a go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate her not 
Because it's always it's always awkward in audiobooks. It is when they just like full on break into song. Yeah, like this is weird. Because can you imagine Bernadette sitting in the booth of like, all right, all right, turn turn the music down, turn me up, get give me that ding dong merrily on high, let's go. <laughs> ding dong merrily on like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. It's awkward mm-hmm, and weird, mm-hmm. and, and nobody really wants it actually. Like, there's nothing worse than the fantasy book. You hit it, and you know there's 13 pages of verse coming up next. Oh God! And they're like, "Oh, I'm singing it. I'm making a tune and everything." Uh, they're like, "Oh, you don't, you don't have to. Can I make this his own chapter and just skip that part?" No. I mean, in middle school, me and Pippin used to make up tunes for various songs out of Lord of the Rings. So, oh yeah, who among us? But I didn't have to listen to it. That's fair. In a 45 hour audiobook. <laughs> Um, so in addition to the big banquet, which makes me very hungry to listen to the description of oh, there's God. just so much food and I just want to eat most of it. Not all of it. That's a bridge too far. But most of it. I mean, for me, I'd definitely put everything on my plate. Whatever. Oh, I, I'll try this a little bit. I'll just put a, a scoop of here, a scoop of there, a scoop mm-hmm. of this, mm-hmm. and then go through some tentacles, need some tentacles. I mean, okay, I've eaten tentacles and I've just, I've established that me and tentacles aren't aren't really friends as a texture thing mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm gonna leave the tentacles off but i'm yeah. assuming that although meg could not see past the tentacles there were in fact some other uh seafood delicacies i'm assuming there. I'm, as, I'm assuming there was an onion volcano behind it <laughs> fair but we also have a secret santa exchange oh it's adorable um and mrs voss is gonna give this cruel work um owl Mm-hmm. Um, let her husband give it to Cherney because he drew Cherney. Her husband hates the owl, by the way, because yes. it's not, it is not uh, accurate. It's not an accurate owl. No I, such owl exists. Right. And what I appreciate about this is that um, this is held true in all of these books that uh, at some point in time we run into uh, depictions of a bird of some sort and somebody is like one of the scientist sorts is like this is not accurate it's either like this is accurate or this is not yes, accurate correct murder with puffins <laughs> we're like these one that bird doesn't exist here uh, there's no way you saw this bird yes um we've had it in a couple other ones now that my brain is freezing on but yeah there's been there's no, a bit where signs. grandfather thinks that the nightingale is very accurate yes and um that the foliage nightingale. is not accurate Yes, the foliage isn't accurate, but the bird is. So. Yeah, no, I, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, but like this is how I, I like keeping up the trend of scientists, of animal scientists being like just, that's not uh, a real. There's so many owl. things I love about these books, but like one of the many things I love is the amount of just like random knowledge that's that's poked into these books from mm-hmm. like environmental stuff and bird stuff and just language stuff. Oh, just, absolutely! There's so many random little nuggets in these books, and it's great. Bromate. Bromation. Bromation. Yeah. yeah. When snakes hibernate. Correct. Yes. Um, so it's good. It's very, very good. But um, I finally looked up Cruel Work this year. Mm. And in addition to finally finding out how it's spelled, which is not like Oh Cruel World, but instead is C R E W E L. Yes. Like Jewel, but with a C. Yeah. And from context, it kind of seemed like it was like extra fancy embroidery. Yeah. Um, and while that's like somewhat true, it's not inherently like more detailed embroidery. What distinguishes it from just like your average embroidery is actually specifically the kind of thread that you use, which is you use wool. Mm. Um, so that's really the distinguishing factor, not the level of detail. Nice. Yeah. But Ooh. I would I would take a cord look owl that's a really good secret santa present too like it's an excellent secret santa present i'm actually disappointed we didn't have to get to see the follow-through of secret santa yeah because uh, i wanted to know because nope again nobody can leave right and, and that was the fun part is like you kind right. of have to scavenge for presents right so i was really excited to see how many leftover hors d'oeuvres people were gonna <laughs> right get. i smuggled um, this out of the banquet room uh here it's a black widow spider <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> that's what i was really hoping for how do you like this expensive hotel shampoo. I mean, the, the one good bit we got out of that, other than the cruel workout, uh, yes. is that the person that Cherney drew, which is a random... A random grad student. Is he the grad student or is he the assistant professor? Assistant professor, because he's, he's actually on the list. Professor. The grad students yeah. are just... Hanging around. Yeah. Um, But he gives him a um, bottle of wine, and the assistant professor is like, a bottle of wine from the poisoner? No, thank you. Yeah. Hard pass on that. Right to Horace. He can check that out. It's yep. all good for this me. This goes into the evidence bin. Mm-hmm. 
It's not open, probably hasn't been tampered with. Do not care. Yeah, not into it. Hey, I'm sorry. If you poison somebody, I don't eat or drink anything you have, anything you offer me, ever. Yeah, just I think that has a very reasonable line that's, to draw. That's the rules. That's just how the, that's just how the world works, man. Right, all right. That's just how it has to be. Oh, man, there's probably many other delightful things. There always are. There's always so many delightful that's things. Why we, that's why we keep these to half an hour so we can have a strict limit so we don't end up trying to tell the whole book. I don't know how long we've been talking. A lot longer than half an hour. Dang. Yes. All right, so we're going to wrap this up. Absolutely. Um, like we said, we are not going to do the 2020 Christmas book until next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still read it. I'm curious to see if anything about the pandemic got in there. I'm wondering if she's going to address the pandemic at any point in any of these books. I'm, cur- I'm curious. I wonder like, if it's a situation where we wait till after it's done. Before- right. I mean, like, sometimes she brings in real world stuff. Sometimes she doesn't. Right. Like, the bank collapse got brought in very heavily. Yeah. Bank collapses and stuff. Like, the, thing is, like, the thing is, we know that these are being written in remotely real time. Because she turns them out. And they reference the like year. We're getting, like, one or two books a year. Whatever, right? So, yeah. like, it seems weird that... I would not be surprised if... if if Falcon always wings twice doesn't, doesn't have anything, it, anything in it. I imagine she was writing that before. Right. But I do wonder about... That's what I'm wondering what the Christmas but book does. The reason why I would think maybe... I'm like, what's weirder? It being addressed or not being addressed? Well, I, the thing I wonder about is just if she was writing it at the beginning of this year, possibly. Right. If we all thought... Well, it this was going to be, be over. over by Christmas. <laughs> we're like, we'll be good by Christmas, so I don't have yeah. to worry about it. Yeah, it probably won't be in this book. Yeah, but like, not even as like a... Like, how dare you ignore the thing? No, but like, no, 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 no. I can legitimately see. I'm thinking about like publishing this, logistics and stuff. I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm not mad about it. No, no, no. I'm just saying I can legitimately see writing this book in March, <laughs> like work, working at home, just whatever, and just being <sighs> like, hmm, hmm. Well, we're gonna shut things down. Everyone's gonna do what they're supposed to do. We're just gonna stay in our houses. We're gonna limit the spread. We're gonna get the rate R. We're gonna get R down as close to zero as possible. Everything is gonna be fantastic. And then, anyway, October gonna, October comes around and the book releases, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're about take, that. Take a, at least a little bit of a break from the delight that is Meg Langslow sure and Donna are. Andrews, and um, the next book that we are going to be reading. Um, and do be warned, the next episode is probably not going to come out quite as quickly as these Christmas ones we've been turning out. Mm-hmm. But we are going to be reading um, a Yoon Ha Lee book entitled Nine Fox Gambit. That was really good. I can speak words. Yes, you can. Um, if your <laughs> if your library uh, has access to Hoopla, mm-hmm. um, if they subscribe to Hoopla, it is on Hoopla as an audiobook. If not, then hopefully your library has it in another format, or you can just listen to us talk about without knowing what we were talking about, which is also fine. The book is old enough now that it should be more easily available. Yeah, it's from like 2017 or something. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see y'all next time. Absolutely.